Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN, and it's always great to talk to the Cardinal Hall of Famer, Chris Carpenter, who joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Carp, how's everything going? How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. How about you guys? Everything's good. You've handled the uh, quarantine well? So far. I'm uh, looking forward to it uh, opening up, but obviously it's about safety first. So uh, it's, it's pretty slow here in New Hampshire. The weather's starting to get nice. Everybody's kind of itching to get out, but uh, it, it's been pretty good. How about you guys? We've handled it well, better than, uh, for me at least, could have been expected. But, yeah, we're we're kind of opening up a little bit in St. Louis, too. Hey, the Cardinals are going to announce, Chris, tonight their two fan vote selections for the Cardinal Hall of Fame. And I, I want to go back a couple of years to when you got that phone call because, obviously, in, in talking to you that day and uh, other times, I know it was a big deal for you. What was it like when you got that phone call that you had been elected to the Cardinal Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's an honor, super exciting, and and you you're kind of overwhelming to be honest with you because I think I've shared this before when you when you show up to the Cardinals organization, no matter if you've been brought up through that organization or or come from somewhere else, you know, my impression, especially that first opening day, is you, you see all these red jacket guys coming out on in the cars and, and how they're treated and, and how respected they are. And uh, you, you dream of being a part of it. Um, and then you get the opportunity to actually be one. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty unreal. Chris, I think a lot of people, when they look back on your career, one of the games that certainly rises to the top is that epic Game 5 2011 NLDS. You, Roy Halladay, showdown. Heading into that game, that's that's a moment that you dream of. You want the ball in the biggest of moments. You want to be that guy. How was that knowing it was your friend on the opposition? Were you saying, man, I wish it was somebody else that I was going against? Or did you think, this is exactly what I want because I want to be going against him in this moment? Yeah, I, I mean, you, you go into it, you know, there's all kinds of different thoughts and feelings about it. But ultimately, as competitors, um, when you cross the lines, you're not friends. Um, you're competing against one another. You want to compete against the best. Um, he was the best at that time. And, um, you know, you go into it knowing that it's it's about winning, not about uh, whether or not uh, you guys will remain friends after it's over. Hey, Chris, uh, did you watch the, the Last Dance documentary, the, the Jordan and the Bulls documentary? Uh, I have, except for the last two episodes, so don't okay. give it away. No, we, <laughs> we won't. Try to watch it. I, I thought I'm of try you. to watch it tonight. Oh, okay. I, I thought of you when Sam Smith was telling that story. And it, Michael was 
obviously different, but uh, from a personality standpoint. But Sam Smith telling that story that one of the writers had picked Cleveland in three, one of the writers had picked Cleveland in four, and one had picked Cleveland in five. And Michael comes over and says, we took care of you, we took care of you, and tonight we're going to take care of you. And, and I go back to a story that you told me when you were going into the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame about the night before, after you guys have won game four, you're with Punto and Laird on the bus. Can you can you relay that to our listeners here? Yeah, we were driving back from the workout, and uh, and basically, I I just had the confidence and felt that it was going to be okay, and, and and that we were going to win. And I, I shared with them that I I, I felt like I was going to win, and and our team was going to win tomorrow. And I uh, shared with with Nick that because Nick at the time his his you know, he co- his nickname was the shredder because he was he was the one that was starting to rip people's jerseys off and things like that and uh he had never um done it to me and i told him that after i after we won uh tomorrow night i said uh you could uh, you can shred me on the field and uh and obviously we go on to to that game and, and win and i had the game that i had and, and ultimately it worked out to where nick was able to shred me right there by first base uh, on the field after the game and um, it, was, it was pretty pretty fun. Chris, when we watched The Last Dance, so much of Michael Jordan's competitiveness reminds us of you and Yadier Molina, Tony La Russa. So many members of the teams that you played on had that competitive fire. I want to know, when you were out there with Yadi, was there ever a time that he would call a pitch that you didn't agree with or a time with Tony when he would come to take you out of a game and you didn't want to come out? I just wonder how, when you have two really, really competitive-minded people like that, who wins in those in those disagreements? Yeah, yeah, no, that happens all the time, and uh, it definitely happened with Tony and Yachty. Um, but ultimately, as competitors, like I said, um, we know that the, uh, we have the the best interest of each other in, in mind, and, and sometimes it turns into arguments, and, and sometimes it turns into heated arguments. But uh, um, you move on, and you can com- continue to compete. With Yachty, yeah, I mean, there's there's multiple times where there was pitches called that, uh, you know, he wanted or, or that I wanted. But, again, uh, the pro that he is and the preparation that he has, um, he knows exactly where I want to be and what I want to do. And I uh, was able to uh, to get to the pitches that, that I want uh, pretty quickly. In that situation, the pitchers are the ones that ultimately make the, uh, the final final call unless Yachty has that uh, really strong feeling he might call timeout and come out and talk about it. But ultimately, you know, I have the decision over that. And Carp, that's an interesting dynamic because you were a veteran at the time, but when you're dealing with young Cardinal pitchers who are going to be caught by Yachty, obviously you want to tell them, hey, and they all know, they have to have conviction in their pitch they're going to throw, right? They they can't throw a pitch that they don't feel good about, but at the same time, Yachty is so good that it's it's probably a fine line for a young pitcher to ter- to determine, okay, what's best, what I'm thinking or what he's thinking? Yeah, and I, you're 100% right. Um, and, and ultimately, again, I think the younger you are, um, that's that's just a learning experience and, and trusting in the guy behind uh, home plate. Uh, we have the best of, of the best. And, and, and again, the, how prepared he is, he knows just, about, just as much about uh, the game plan and the hitters and how we want to work the hitters as, as the pitcher does. So you're in pretty good hands uh, as a young player coming up and, and working with him. Um, but you also want to challenge them to think um, and understand what they're doing and why they're doing it, not just sit there and, 
and shake yes the whole time. So it's again, it's it's a fine line between it all. Um, but uh, definitely, when you have a guy like Yachty, uh, there's no question we have an advantage. Chris, I remember the first time I ever went down to Bush Stadium as a member of the media. I was getting um, kind of tutored by somebody, and I think it was the day before you pitched uh, a game, and they said, hey, rule number one, do not speak to Carp the day or the day before he pitches. Just don't even consider it. And I said, okay. They're like, he is so locked in. Do not disrupt him. I was like, all right, deal. I won't. I will avoid him at all costs. But, you know, in interviews after that, you've talked about the anxiety and and just the way that you were so focused on the task at hand the day before. Can you describe to our listeners what that's like for a starting pitcher in the days before and the day of the game, how you really mentally focus and get ready for the task at hand? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, for me, it it definitely was, you know, I had a lot of anxiety. So a lot of that that people saw, I think, was me dealing with the the internal emotions that were going on inside of me. Um, and it's funny because people say that and, and I, I look at it differently. I feel like I really didn't feel like I was any different on the day that I pitched. I guess just people wanted to stay away from me. I don't know. Maybe it was my facial expressions or what was going on. But, man, um, I didn't feel like I was that mean or rude on the days that I pitched. But I guess um, I was. But the point of it is, is that, um, you know, you, you're, you're locked in. You're prepared. Every starter has their, their own routines. Um, some guys can come in and and just do whatever they want. And, you know, everything's just like a normal day. And then there's other guys that, that definitely have a different personality and, and, a, and a different mindset when they come to that the park that day. And uh, everybody, you know, again, learns over time through experiences through their, and, and, and hopefully becomes who they are supposed to be uh, and learn about themselves and what makes them the best that day to, to prepare to go pitch. Um, I was just a, a quiet internal, uh, a lot of thinking, a lot of things going on in my mind on the days that I pitched, making sure that I was prepared the way that I needed to be prepared. Another guy that we see that roiling intensity in is Jack Flaherty, and we know that you have taken kind of a mentor role with him. What's your relationship with Jack like? Do you see aspects of yourself and your game in him? And what do you what do you think of what you see out of Jack Flaherty? Yeah, you do. And, and uh, again, great talent, ultimate competitor. Um, but what you hope is that, that – Although Jack uh, and I did it in my career, I took I took aspects of Pat Hankin, Woody Williams, Matt Morris, Roger Clemens, David Wells, guys that I was able to compete with uh, and, and be teammates with, um, and Mike Matheny, catchers too. You know, like um, you take aspects of everybody's games and, and you apply it to your to your own. And and when I started becoming successful, it was when I was I, I allowed myself to be me and not try to be somebody else. And, and what you see in Jack is, is a great athlete, a great talent, uh, dedicated, determination, confident, and, and competitive. And what you hope is over time, um, he develops into his own person and uh, allows his talent and, and to be free to, to go out and compete how he, he's supposed to compete. And uh, I, I hope he doesn't try to be like me or try to be like Adam Wainwright or try to be like somebody else. He could take aspects from our games and the way that we prepare and think. But uh, um, I want Jack to be Jack, and uh, he's definitely growing into that. Carp, I've never asked you this before, and it, it, I ask you this because in addition to you, Flaherty also talks to Bob Gibson. What was your interaction with Bob Gibson like when you were a pitcher for the Cardinals? Yeah, um, which is an, another great resource, right? Uh People in, in the St. Louis community have compared me to, to Bob and compared Jack to Bob and, and 
uh, you know, I've always said there's, there, there will never be another Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson was uh, probably one of the top five of all time. And, uh, but throughout my time in St. Louis, I was able to chat with him, able to, to get to know him a little bit. Um, I think if anybody that has met Bob uh, knows he's a little introverted himself and um, he, he's a wonderful man with, with great knowledge. Uh, I, I really enjoyed being around him and, and whenever he spoke, you listened. Um, but he also was, uh, was funny at times too. So it's, uh, it's nice to be around him and, and, and listen and, and learn from him too. All right, Carp. So a couple years ago, Randy and I were on the air together and we were talking about the Blues and their quest to win their first Stanley Cup championship in franchise history. And Randy was so convinced that the Blues were cursed. I said, "Okay, if the Blues ever win a Stanley Cup championship, you have to get a Blues tattoo. And he said, done. I'm never going to say it in my lifetime. I will commit to this. Well, we obviously know what happened, that the Blues did hoist the cup. And I remember, I think it was back in 2010, you did a, uh, a feature with Jimmy the Cat Hayes on Fox Sports Midwest about you getting your tattoo. Tuesday, and I'll never forget because everyone always talks about how tough you are. You said I, I kind of like the pain of the tattoos. Now, Randy, when he got his tattoo done, he cried. So I just want to know if that makes you think any less of him that he cried when he was getting ta- his tattoo done while you enjoyed the pain. Uh, no, again, there is, uh, you know, in that process, there's there's sometimes you enjoy it, and there's other times that I did want to cry. I just didn't let anybody know. <laughs> so I don't think any less of him. I'm just proud of him that he did it. I've got a beautiful, bigger than I thought, blues Stanley Cup cat tattoo with a sash for 2019 on my back left shoulder. So that's the one I have. What's the tattoo that you have that's the most meaningful? Um, man, I got one on my my shoulder of uh, the kids, um, Sam and Ava, and myself that. Uh, represent our represent them and then uh, i guess probably the one on my leg too or the koi fish that's on my leg um that that we did that feature on and uh i think it's just you know the story of of determination and, and never letting uh letting up uh through through times and that of struggle when when you know all the injuries that i had um you just continue to to fight and try to get better and and try to become a better person through it all and um, I, unfortunately, I was able to come back a, a few different times from a few different injuries, and um, I think so. I think that's the one that uh, probably means the most. Well, speaking of that, one of the injuries and surgeries that you came back from was when you famously had your rib removed and then went on to pitch. And I remember at the time you said you gave the rib to your daughter, and she had it in a jar. So we need a rib update. Does your daughter still have the rib, and is it prominently displayed somewhere in your house? <laughs> Yeah, nope. Um, <laughs> after I retired, uh, and we uh, all moved back to New Hampshire, it was in a. This is kind of gross, but it was in a, a a box. It found its way into a box, and by the time I unpacked the box, it had all uh, it had dumped over and spilt out, <laughs> which is and it was grossly uh, smelling. So it ended up having to get uh, thrown away, uh, wrapped up in a bag, and. Uh, I, I made sure I took care of it properly and, and and threw it away the way it was supposed to be thrown away. I mean, you threw away a huge piece of Cardinal history there. <laughs> it could be the Hall of Fame. I mean, you don't even understand how disgusting it was when I opened that box. Um, I was like, oh, my word, what is that smell? I didn't even know it was in there. And uh, I ended up coming across it, and I was like, okay, that's we got to do something with this. So we did. 
Well, that's a bummer. But la- last thing for you, Carp, we know that you are a hockey guy. You are a Blues fan. We know that you have had interactions for the team. Well, speaking of Randy's tattoo, what was it like for you as somebody that knows St. Louis, knows the great hockey fans, to watch the Blues go on and win their first Stanley Cup championship? It was so, I mean, it was so exciting, you know, to be able to, to be a part of that, that Blues community when I lived there and played there. And, uh, you know, I became friends with some of the guys. Uh, being a hockey fan, knowing the history and, and uh, in that organization and, and how passionate, you know, our fans in our city are for any sports that we have um, to see them just continue to, to rise to the occasion throughout that, that season, which, you know, I mean, what a story, right? I, I can't remember. Was it January when they were however many points behind and um, in last place and, and, and then to be able to come back and, and win it just shows the character of, of that team. Uh, uh, it brought a lot of excitement to it, to our community there in St. Louis, and, and you're always rooting for those guys. They're they're just super pros, and it was a lot of fun to watch them celebrate. Carp, hopefully we'll uh, all be able to get back to ballparks and you'll be able to interact with the Cardinal pitchers and we'll see you down at Bush Stadium hopefully uh, this year, if not next spring training. But we always like talking to you. Thanks so much for taking the time with us, and uh, we really appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for reaching out, and uh, be safe. You too. Thank you. That is the Cardinal Hall of Famer, Chris Carpenter, with us on 101 ESPN. What a fantastic person he is, and what what a great guest. He's got so many great stories and so many great insights. I loved what he said about Jack Flaherty, how, you know, he recognizes some of the same competitive traits in Jack, but the best advice that he can give him is that Jack has to be Jack. He has to be himself and go out and throw his game. And I thought, what great advice, because I think a lot of times great players or young players are trying to look to other people to try and maybe mold their path after somebody else. But you can't do that. You have to go out there and be yourself. And how cool is it that a guy is pitching against a team that was the biggest favorite, I think in the last 25 years, the biggest favorite in a baseball playoff series, the Phillies over the Cardinals in 2011. And he's telling Nick Punto, hey, when we win tomorrow night, you can shred my jersey. So cool. That's awesome.